Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. My guests today are Jared and Kiara Mason. They're the co-owners of Made to Maximize. They officially started MTM, Creative Imaging Company, in 2019, where they help business owners create content, consistency, and conversions to attract their idea clients through social media as well. They provide consulted efforts for all facets of your businesses in one easy-to-navigate location. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass for the very first time, Jared and Kiara Mason. How are you doing? Fantastic, fantastic. Did I get all that right? Did I get all that right? The names and the pacing and all that. Kiara is Kiara. Kiara. See, that's what I'm saying. Let me go through this interview. My name's Rashawn, so I'm very uh, particular about people who say my name incorrectly. Kiara. Okay, cool. Kiara, like a tiara. Tiara. Okay, Kiara. So if I mess up in the process, it always, Rashawn, Rashawn. Kiara. Kiara. Uh, Kiara. Eight years ago, this kind of like this relationship kind of started. What did you see in Mr. Jared that kind of like <laughs> blossomed this whole uh, MTM business that you are like, have put, you know, started right before COVID and then it survived COVID and now we're in 2022. Talk to me. Yeah. Ladies first. Okay. So as far as the company, we knew that we wanted to do business together, but we never knew it would be in marketing. So my background is in social work and his is in sales and us just documenting our journey on YouTube as family vloggers, documenting our pregnancy journey, landed us a TV show and we started getting brand partnerships. And we're like, I think we're pretty good at marketing. Let's do this for other people. And that's what it led to. I never thought it would grow in this capacity, but he did. He was the visionary of it all. (laughs) 
And um, I think this is definitely a money-making conversation. Yeah. So, absolutely. Uh, so absolutely. It was, it was a lot of fun because the idea at the time, as Kiara mentioned, she has a bachelor's and master's in social work. And I, my, um, my background is in insurance. So I was a licensed insurance broker in 44 states. And as we're going through this different process, both of our career paths were providing resources and solutions to clients in need, right. whatever that capacity was. But the common denominator that we found was when they didn't have enough money coming in, they couldn't afford those resources. So how could we change that? And what I started getting invited to for the agencies I work with was, hey, how do we reposition our offer? How do we reposition our brand to attract more clients? Because even from the agency perspective, they wanted more sales. So I started going into those meetings, having those conversations, and it just turned into so many more things. So as Kiara mentioned, we started our YouTube channel about six years ago. And that just opened a lot of doors. Yeah. YouTube channel. <clears throat> that means you became visual. What was it? What Did friends inspire you to do the YouTube channel? You guys sat down and said, you know, some, you know, both look good looking people. We're articulate. We have personalities. You know, that's the thing to do now. What made you guys go into the YouTube business? Well, I think it's it's a it's a funny story. I'm gonna try to tell it fast. Yes. Well, tell it, tell, no, no, no. We got time now because you know okay, I might yeah, stop yeah, you. Right. I might stop you. All right, cool. <laughs> so I'll give you a little bit of backstory. So of course, before college, obviously we were not in college. But, uh, so growing up, um, I actually used to live in Japan for 12 years. Okay. And uh, when I came back from Japan, we moved to Chicago briefly and came down to Florida. Started our college careers. Uh, this was before Kiara and I met. And um, everything that we've done for at least my family side and Kiara's family side separately is very calculated. So everybody's calculated steps. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And I met Kiara actually on my first day going to this church. I was trying to visit to see my aunt. She moved down from Chicago and she was like, hey, I want to join this church and I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, hey, we're all new to Florida. We don't really know that many people. Most of our family is in Chicago. So I was like, before you join, at least let me and my brothers come and check out the place. So I walk in and Kiara's there. And um, I think it's an interesting story. I'll probably save a little bit of that spice for later. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Spice, spice, spice. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's spice. From church to spice? Come on now. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But So I'll give you the, the long story short okay. version of it. So I, I saw her on that first day and I just had this feeling of that, that she was going to be my wife. Invited her out for a date. Mm-hmm. Um, three weeks later... Um, after this date situation, we had a little dating window. We had a three-week engagement. Three right. weeks later, we were married, and we've been married for nine years. Okay, so let's mm-hmm. slow down, because you know you talk fast now. Come on, yeah. Dad. That's what because, I said. There was a lot of dates that were very yeah. short window. Okay, you met her, you know, going to church, right? That, that, I got that correct? Yes. Yeah. And then three, you said, you she, did you look at him and say he was going to be your husband, Kiara? Yeah, so on our first date, first date, that's what we missed, was on our first date, we both told each other that we would marry one another. We literally turned it around on our phones. Yeah. And I would never recommend that. I would never do that. I'm just not that person. But I felt prompted to do it. I really felt like he was my husband because I saw so much of me and him. Uh-huh. I felt like he was a male version of me. And so after our first date, I was like, you know what? Mm, this is too good to be true. Right. My friends was like, I don't know. You should be cautious. And then that started a hiatus of our talking to one another. But when we reconvened, um, he stopped talking. Like, he didn't say bye to me at church one day, y'all. And I was like, well, what's wrong? If he, had a, if he has a girlfriend, just let me know. And my friend was like, well, you told him you didn't like him. 
nonetheless, I had a dream that he was still my husband and that I wasn't happy with it, with a former relationship. And I knew that he really was. So we reconvened. And then after that, three weeks, we were engaged. And three weeks after that, we were married. Okay, great. You engaged, you were married. Three weeks. You know, that's TV show stuff. You know, it's just, you know, that's, you know, marriage at first, love at first sight. Now, you know, they got a lot of reality shows rolling around with you two people in it. But in fact, y'all, at least y'all did three weeks. Three weeks. No, okay, you're let's... exactly right. So that's how we wound up the show. Because uh-huh. our family was like, what are y'all doing? Right. Like, that's just, I said it fast because it really happened fast. Right, so right. they're like, what are y'all doing? So we started making videos to show yes. our family our lifestyle. Right. And that's where YouTube was born for us. Okay, cool. And so. So, because you know, I gotta get you know, you know, see, you know, I've read about this in your bio, which you know, you brought it up so quick in this conversation. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm like I said, my wife, I met her in '81. We married in '88. Okay, mm-hmm. so, but I traveled a lot. You know, I was doing stand-up comedian. I was stand-up. Thought I was gonna be the next Eddie Murphy, so I was on the road a lot. So, now, y'all met on the first date. You, you, you know, you looked at one another. Say, we got a lot of things in common. I'm just trying to get to the, to the marriage part. Okay, so first week. So we're talking about three weeks. So first week, second week, third week. What was the first week like together? Oh my gosh, it was kind of like for me. I was like, wow, this is my person, and. Uh-huh. This is really happening for me because I knew in the beginning of the year that I was going to be a wife, even though I was very content mm -hmm. in my singlehood. Uh But I knew that I was going to be a wife. I just didn't know who it was and who I thought it was going to be was not it. And so finally being saying that, okay, we're going to be together. It was like, okay, well, what's stopping us from just actually making it official? But we were really happy. Okay, cool. Now, Gerard, Jared, excuse me, I apologize. Uh, Second week. She said she thought she was going to be somebody else, but now it's you. Second week, mm-hmm. where are we at? Did you, did you drop a ring on on the second week? When did the ring pop up? When did you drop on the knees? When did, was it, was, when did that happen? Okay, so I'll, I'll be a little bit slower this time. Thank Just you, brother. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you, when you meet and get married in three weeks, you got to slow it down sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, so essentially, th- this whole process was I... I was sitting there and I had I had my moment to kind of sit on the back row. And I was like, all right, cool. I, I saw her walking down the aisle. I saw me at the aisle receiving her walking down the aisle. So that was that whole situation. So we turned our phones around, as Kiara mentioned. And um, there was about, what, about six months, mm-hmm. roughly, that she didn't want to have nothing to do with me. Right. I'd say that was after the that first date. date. Yeah. So it was a week. And then six months went by where she didn't want to have anything to do with me. My whole situation during that time was I was still seeing the vision of the completed process, which is why I always talk about Jared at the jewelry store, because she went to Jared at the end. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I'm going through this whole process and I'm like, OK, well, if I see that this is who I want to marry, we've already communicated that, whether it's briefly a long term relationship, whatever situation is. The idea is mutual at this point. Oh, okay. If she decides to not follow through with that, that's up on her. But I still see myself as being married. I don't know who it's going to be. She still sees herself as being married. She's not sure who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But my initial desire was for it to be her. Yes, so I sir. just stayed in that safe zone of, hey, how can I be in the picture 
but not in the picture. So if I yes, found sir. out she had a need or if I found out she was um, she was going to a venue or doing something, I wouldn't always be at that place other than church, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like, hey, if I find out that y'all have a fundraiser, guess who's going to give something? Yeah. If I find out y'all have a promotion, guess who's going to sponsor something? Like, just right. be in the room. Right. So the number one goal was just being in the room. So keeping that vision ahead. Yeah, staying in line of sight. So really, just once we got the story right, so really, you met one week, then six months later, there was no interaction. Right. Well, and, it was little. Like, he would text me always at the right time. Like, when I was down or whenever, just, hey, checking up on you. I'm like, oh, hey, I appreciate it. And that was it. And I'm like, why does he always text me at the right time? But nonetheless, as far as, like, going out and doing things, no, we didn't. Okay, cool. And then, okay, so there's a three-week courtship, I'm assuming, right? One week, six-month separation, then two weeks, then the second week, and then the third week, you got married. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. No, okay. The cool. third, yeah. Oh, so, three weeks of courtship. Right, right. Yeah, yeah so three weeks of courtship. Process, she had this dream. Yes, sir. And you can kind of talk about your dream if you want. Yeah, so in the dream, I was, um, after my roommate called me out and she was like, I thought you said you didn't like him. And I was like, you know, I'm just so frustrated. Let me go pray. And so I'm praying to God. I'm like, God, why do I feel this way? Why am I offended? What's going on? And then he showed me the dream of me being with Jared and my life was full of peace, full of bliss. And then he showed me a vision with my ex-boyfriend and I was still even more unhappier than I already was with our relationship. And that's when I knew it, it sealed the deal. So just coming back to him and I was like, hey, do you still feel the same way? And he tried to play a little hard to get it first. Yeah, but was, then we said, salty. yes. So we said, yes. So the first week was great. Just finally being on the same page. Second week was, I think you actually went to, I think we said, hey, dad, I want to come chat with you. And you went and asked my dad, right? Yeah. So um, at that point, we actually had another date. And it was like, hey, are we going to do this or not? She was like, yeah, we're going to do this. All right, cool. After I got the green light, I'm in strategy mode. I'm a strategist by nature. So it's right. like, all right, cool. So I'm going strategy. Obviously, I got to talk to dad. I got to talk to pastor. I got to talk to my mom, my dad, right. the whole situation. Mm-hmm. So that's going through my head. Lined up those ducks in a row and made the initial appointments to everybody I had to meet. And then um, after that, it was go time. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, because, um, you know, I, I think, I, I feel when I look at your relationship, which is a strong relationship, you know, because you're, you're a couple that are in business that basically laid, you laid the groundwork for building this relationship. You may have not dated for six months, but you positioned yourself to show her value, both physically being there and emotionally. And that's right. that's how you communicate it to her. That's how you want her over, want her heart. And I think there's a lesson to be learned there that, you know, people, you don't have to technically uh, win somebody's heart or win somebody's love by constantly being there if you don't do anything to encourage a positivity in your relationship. Because right. she said some key things, I think. He always called me at the right time. He always said something. He always had, he always dropped knowledge on me that, that was needed for me to get to the next day. And I'm sure she did the same thing for you. You know, uh, now, she, she was, I had the coldest shoulder. She was not reaching out to your boy at mm-hmm. all. Oh, okay, okay. Come on, Nakayara. Now he's saying yeah. that he's saying that like that, but we know you you was receiving, as they say in church, you were receiving these blessings. Okay, how can he say that you were giving him the cold shoulder and you were receiving these blessings? Hey, no, 
It, it was true. Like I, I really was because I was just so frightened that this was too good to be true for me. So I didn't want to be let down once again. So yeah. the safest way to do that was to separate my emotions, to separate, you know, that from me so that I can just continue living my life until I figure out, is this what I really want? Right. Okay. So cool. I literally mean the cold shoulder. Like after thank you, that was it. Right. Then a month will go by. It was like, hey, how's how's your day going? Hope all is well. Boom. Oh, uh, all is well. Thanks. Wow. Then two months will go by. Right. Literal cold shoulder. Right. Well, you know, it, it, I, I commend you, brother. You know, <laughs> you know, that's like walking across the floor for a dance floor. You know, the best song is being played, and then she says she's moving in her chair. Right. Right. We'd like to dance. Right. No. Okay, okay, I gotta walk right back. I gotta walk exactly. across. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you're still moving in your chair though, okay? Right, right. Yeah. So uh but so but that leads to a relationship now that's thank God you guys connected. Thank God y'all got married, and then y'all became business owners. How did the business aspect develop into this? Because first of all, you had to court her, then she had to then she had to believe that you overcome the um angst. That you were you were not going to be another mistake. Now y'all in business together. How does that work? And do you, Kiara, have any doubts about in your mind when you talk about this business relationship? What what knocks out the doubts? I think after once I was finally on the page that like God gave me that peace that He was my husband. It's still the deal. I never had a question if He was my husband. I never had a question about. Um, was I going in the right direction? Never again. Now we got in business and I was like, I've never been a business owner before. And so I have to take your leadership in a different way. And so still we are very big on being unified before we move forward with anything. And that I think has been a key to our marriage. So we will make sure that we're on the same page before we move forward with anything. But honestly, when it comes to the day to day or in business, we had to really define our roles. Like he really is. I, even though I own majority of the business, he is actually a CEO and I'm a COO by nature. I'm very right. operational. I'm very methodical. I'm very service oriented. He is as well. But we recognize after a while when we were kind of bumping heads a little bit that, wow, okay, you're really a visionary. Let me take your lead in that regard. Right. And I had to settle my own, you know, issues with that too. Yeah. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Well, you know he's a visionary. He saw you, and you didn't see him. Okay, now we already got that. Jared yeah. is a visionary. Okay, you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I got blinders <laughs> on. I got blinders on. Let's All talk right, about right. your business. Let's talk about this. Your business made to maximize. Why that name, Jared? Um, made to maximize, uh, we always had something MTM. It was Meet the Masons on YouTube, MTM Creative Imaging and Co., um, which was the original consulting and marketing agency. But made to maximize really was birthed from a scriptural perspective. It's like we're called to be fruitful, called to multiply, have dominion, to do all these different things. But then as we're going to do this, that's literally the track record that we've left in every avenue, whether it was social work, whether it was sales, whether it was insurance, we're maximizing everybody's opportunity. So when it came into the business world, it's like, hey, if you're going to invest $100 or 100000 or whatever the case may be in your business, how do you maximize the return on that investment? And that's what we believe that we're supposed to do is help people maximize that. And I love to use the example of a dentist. 
um, if you have a dentist and they're the best oral surgeon in the in the right. world, mm-hmm. their job is to help people with their teeth. They don't have time or they shouldn't prioritize their time to post that stuff on the website, to make an Instagram, to make a LinkedIn and TikTok. If they do both, one job is worth $100 an hour. One job is worth $10,000 an hour. So why don't you focus on your 10000 thing and let us focus on the 100 or the 1000 And that will bring in more of your $10,000 clients. So if you can leverage our expertise and the bandwidth of our team to say, hey, when I do all these things by myself, I'm only going this fast. But when I get this leverage point of vehicle, I can accelerate. And that's what we help business owners do. Right. Well, the thing about it is that you, you, you your business is broken down. And I see it says social media marketing and management. You have photography, videography, copywriting, graphic design, website design. It started with the two of you. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did you make the decision that okay, this is the company that we want. Because everybody, you know, you have a skill set, like you said, insurance, you're also social. And so now you got a company and then you start interviewing people. How did you go through that process? Because a lot of people are doing this. So I'm not saying doing exactly what you do, but they have an idea and then they have to put the idea together. And then you guys are making joint decisions, which can be more difficult. Instead of me going, I was just going down the road going, I want that building. I want to hire that person. I, I like those curtains. I like that that carpet. Yeah. You know, I want to pay that person that amount of money. How, just explain to my, my listeners and viewers, how does working as a couple, what are the pluses and the minuses of it? Because it does work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say when we started the company, I think we both shared in the vision that this was an agency model, even though it was just starting with us. So we knew that it wasn't just going to be us um, by ourselves. And so once we reached to a place where we then we maxed our capacity, um, we weren't excelling like we used to, or maybe we were making little mistakes right. that we didn't before. We're like, oh, I think we need to hire more people to come mm-hmm. in. So we had contractors come in and we gave um, people opportunities, but then we started to train people to in. MTM way and then grow our business that way. And that was a bit more successful. But as far as like the pros and cons of us being in business together, I think we're always together and we love that, but we're always together. You know what I mean? I question that so much, Kiara. You said, man, sitting next to you, you gave him the coach. I I don't get this, Jared. You know, she, now she can't get enough of you. And then she, then she was just it's kicking fine. you to the curb with the, with the, oh, thank you. Cause I, I, you know, that's the thing, you know, when you interview people, cause you guys have interviewed people on your show, you know, you know, the worst thing in the world when people give you yes, no answers, how you doing today? Fine. You go, okay. I got 15 <laughs> minutes left here. So she was giving you those yes or no relationship responses. Right. Now. On my shelf, I can't get enough of him. I work with him all the time, and he just—she just smiling and just giggling and everything. What did you do, brother? What did you do? Tell all the men out in the world what did you do to turn the head of this fantastic woman in your direction? So, the top two things. Thank you. But I'm gonna leave the third one out. Y'all gonna have to get a one. <laughs> well, Steve Harvey gave us all the answers supposedly, yeah. Yeah. but he didn't tell us how to deal with a cold shoulder for six months. So the number one thing is to stay committed to your original intention and vision. I like that. I like that. Because if they feel like your attention is only on them, or you can deviate because of what they do, then it's like, hold on, who's driving? So if I'm still heading towards my vision. I'm still heading towards my goal. And number two, getting results towards that. Who doesn't want to have a championship winning team in their corner, right? 
So that's what I created in my atmosphere was if I keep winning in this direction, which she knows her destiny is lined up to, the things that she's acclimated towards or that she likes, she's going to see me because either I'm going to be on the stage, I'm going to put somebody on the stage, I'm going to create an atmosphere. So you either come into my show with me or you come to my show in the audience by yourself. Right. So you're going you're gonna to be over here either way. So at the end of the day, my the top two things are staying committed to your original goal and get results along the way. And because of that, it's like, hey, why would I not want to be on a winning team? And I think that's one of the, the third one is really the, the, the best one. I'm going to leave that one for later. Oh, but, oh um, that's for the book you're going to write one day. <laughs> yeah, the six-month chase, you know. How to, exactly. how to, how to, how to, when they say no, keep going. This is, this is fun and this is an enlightening uh but it's also about business. It's also about relationships, you know. And I think that's important that people understand that even if you're not in a personal relationship, as you two are, it is about communication. Yes. And that's the key, not only communication between each other, but your staff and also your clients. Can you give some advice, Kiara? Did I said it right, correct, Kiara? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm closing the show right. Um, <laughs> not deviating. And Jared, communication first with your clients. And then second with each other, and then third with your employees. Starting with you, Jared. Okay. Um, so I would definitely say communication with the clients are key. The reason why I say that's key is I'm, I'm big on relationships. As you can see, I've already talked about the cold shoulder situation with my wife, right? Mm -hmm. So having a marketing agency, the whole world is giving you a cold shoulder because they don't know you exist. Mm -hmm. They don't know your voice. They don't know your vision. They don't know your values. They don't know any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So you automatically come to the stage unknown, unincluded, uninvited. So when you're putting out a marketing campaign, you're making a website, you're doing LinkedIn, TikTok, whatever case may be, they don't want to like your posts. They don't want to engage in your content. You're getting the cold shoulder. However, when you tie that back to um, your long-term vision, what you want to create and getting results along the way, then it opens up everyone's awareness. And I'll give you a quick example. We have one of our uh, neighbors that lives about seven houses down uh, before he moved. And um, we did a free consultation for him. Right. Long story short, um, before we started the, uh, the marketing agency, we had a, a consulting deal that we were always doing and offering that. That's how I started finding the need in the insurance business. They would bring us down, hey, how will we market this? All right, cool, let's do that. That turns into a multi-million dollar opportunity. I'm like, what's my percentage? Mm -hmm. Oh, you work in sales. You don't get percentage of the marketing. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let me start doing this on my own. Right. The reason why I put that in <laughs> is I told my neighbor, we had a three-step process. And I was like, hey, we're going to work on number one, work on number two, work on number three. He immediately went to implement. In 28 days, he made $30,000. Right. Mm -hmm. In the next 30 days, he made another 90000 He was right. like, this stuff, this plan that you gave me works. And the reason why I say that is that ties back to communication is I was able to sit down and understand his voice, his vision, and his values. Excellent. You put him in a step to where he can maximize that. And you have to listen first. Most communication is listening. And um, that's what I learned to do. And then we have to turn in that to a process that they could actually have as a predictable step next. What would you say about that? 
Um, I would say for me, when it comes to communicating with clients, it's all about setting expectations. So we can never assume that our clients know us, Mm -hmm. know what we stand for and know just the processes that we have in our business. So I really love to let them know, hey, this is what we're going to do for you. Mm -hmm. This is how we're going to do it. These are our business hours. This is how you can expect me to communicate with you. And I found that when we set the expectation up front, we don't get you know, issues later on about you didn't text me back or you didn't call me back. Well, text, we don't really text our clients, <laughs> but you didn't call me back um, during this time. Well, you already knew in advance that this is our, these are our business hours and we really stick to that because we're familypreneurs. So this is, we do all these things together. We have to set those boundaries. So that's big for me is setting those expectations with clients. Yeah. Talk about relationship, communication through the relationship. Um, I would say that's pivotal. Um, I believe our level of of intimate conversations Mm -hmm. overflows in every other aspect Mm -hmm. of our life. So it makes it easier to communicate effectively with our clients or with Mm -hmm. our team because we've gone through those rough patches. And Mm -hmm. back to the cold short example, I'm still communicating stuff even though she's not responding. Right. So Mm -hmm. how can I still get this message delivered? Right. Even if you don't want to receive the mail. So that same process of going through that and now that she does want to be around and that she does want to hear everything, that's, it's a, it's a wonderful change. Right. But, um, being intentional about going through that process and saying, Hey, I want to talk with you so I can actually hear your heart and not miss something. And this is one of the um, pivotal things is a lot of times people only try to give their opinion and their direction without including another person. So how we set up our business was intentionally Kiara has 51%. And I have um, 49%. The reason why that was important to me, because I wanted to communicate from the front, even though this was a vision that I had, I want you so invested in the vision and you to profit so much from the vision that even though we're going to make a ton of money here, I'm putting you as lead ownership. Right. And that gives a totally different level of buy-in. And when you have that level of buy-in now, I don't have to only be the one that's passionate about the pursuit. Right. Like, hold on. I, mean, I, I always, win, too. I was always passionate once I got on board. <laughs> once you got on board, but it took a long time <laughs> yeah. to get on board. Yeah. Long time. But she had 51%, though. You know, 50, right. 50, she should be passionate with that 51%. The last right. one that I want right. to talk about, which is really the key, your employees. And that's where so many people fail, you know, because sometimes when you have employees, you can be too personal. You can be more concerned about their, their, with their, their rent being paid, their gas, their bills but not concerned about the work they're doing. You got to be able to build that wall of separation. Look, I want to win too. I cannot personalize your issues, nor can I be consumed by your personal issues. As owners, please tell people how, I want to hear from both of you guys, because I know y'all deal with them differently. Mm -hmm. How do y'all deal with employees separately and then together? Yes. Yes. That is such a great question. And can I say we made a number of mistakes along the way? Um, One of our mentors had to set us inside and say, hey, you don't owe anyone an opportunity. You don't owe anyone an opportunity. It is a it's an opportunity for them to work with you like you don't have to give them these things. You built this company yourself. And then once I recognize that. I'm a wealth builder. I have, we've created this thing together. We don't have to allow anyone within our company. So we have made decisions before where it's like, well, I just want to help someone out because we know that they're in an unfortunate situation. I think they have a good skill set that will work. And then we recognize that, ooh, that wasn't the best thing. But because we are big on relationships, we let them know, hey, 
before we even start this, our relationship is more important than the money. So we were still able to have great, great relationships with those people that are no longer with the company. But moving forward, we had to let them know that, hey, you're going to see a different side of me. I know we were sis and whatever before, but now I'm COO. And this is what we're doing, X, Y, and Z. And knowing that, hey, we know how to create boundaries and relationships, but I still follow up with, I still love you. And we can have conversations outside of business afterwards. It kind of creates a great balance. But before we weren't as great with that, <laughs> I would say that's my part. What yeah. about you? Um, I, I carry the same passion that Kiara yes, has. We just displayed in different ways. So I'm big on philosophy and strategy. So my philosophy in connection with our, our team members and everybody on our team is a three a three C element. It's content, consistency, and conversions, which you alluded to a little bit earlier. But on the personal level, I always talk about skill set, structure set equals your income set. And what I mean by that is this. If you have a skill, let's say you're a photographer. Fantastic. You can shoot photos. And with you being able to shoot, edit, do this and do that, do you have a structure around it on your own to where now we can expect a certain amount of photos, a certain amount of images, a certain amount of quality, which denotes a certain amount of pay? Mm -hmm. And no matter what that skill set is, my mindset for everybody on the team and around the team is if we can help you maximize your skill, we can help you maximize your structure. That means we can help you maximize your income. So I was just giving a... Um, an example to one of our uh, team members yesterday. And one of our photographers started at $25 an hour right. with our team. And then I was like, hey, you have an eye, but we got to fix this. Let's change your editing. Let's do this. Let's do that. And let's put some structure behind that. And once he captured that skill set, we bumped him up to $50. An right. Mm -hmm. And 100, then 150. And then you keep going from there. And it's like, hold on, why would you invest so much in this one person or this group of people? It's because as they're expanding in their exposure and they're expanding in their expertise, our team is ex expanding in exposure. Our team is, in, is expanding in expertise. And the beautiful thing about that is somebody might see that one team member out somewhere and they're like, oh, you do this. I saw you put this on your Instagram. I saw you put this on your TikTok or your LinkedIn. Where are you doing that at? Then they bring it back to maybe maximize. And then that grows all of us. Now it's like, hold on, I never even would have got here unless you told me how to maximize my skill set, unless you showed me how to maximize my structure. And now all of our income grows together. So it's really a group thing. Awesome. I appreciate you both coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. It's been a, a journey of emotion, of, <laughs> of, of um, how. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. To talk as a relationship, how to talk as a business, how to build a business, but more importantly, communication. Uh, that's my biggest takeaway in this interview that I'm doing with both of you guys. But again, much success to Made to Maximize, a company that was started in 2019, and Kiara and uh, yeah. Jared Mason. I wish you much luck, much success down in Sanford, Florida. And if you ever need to talk to me, look, everybody. They do social media management and marketing. They do photography, videography, copywriting, graphic design, and website. And you don't, you do not have to be in Sanford, Florida to use their services. They're available online through social media. Contact them. They're very talented. And more importantly, they know how to communicate. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. If you want to be successful, you better look at that person that's troubling you. Either get them out of your eyesight or learn how to talk to them. Keep winning. I appreciate for, appreciate both of you guys for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Thank you, Thank you for, for having us. If you want to see or hear any of these interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. Thank you. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversation Masterclass with your daily minute of inspiration. During one of our prior conversations, Dr. Lynn Richardson, top financial educator, discussed the importance of applying strategy to finances and shared the difference between a thinker and a dreamer. I talk about the personality of an entrepreneur, and, and the, one of them is the dreamer. The mm-hmm. dreamer thinks everything is going to be great. The dreamer yes. thinks that this mm-hmm. idea is a great idea. And it probably is. But if you don't have a thinker, see, see, that's what you have said, Mr. McDonald, a thinker. The thinker is the strategist. The thinker is going to ask all the questions that the dreamer doesn't want to hear. The thinker is going to say, now, how are we going to do this? What is the plan? How are we going to roll this out? Who are we in business with? How much does it cost? How much work does it actually take? Uh, and so on. You can listen to this full interview with Dr. Lynn Richardson. It's available on moneymakingconversations.com. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. My next guest, he's on the phone, Maceo A. Brown. He is the president and CEO of System 5 Electronics, the largest, I repeat, the largest African-American owned and operated security alarm and monitoring company in the state of Georgia. 
In his role, he directs daily operations, implements strategies for success, creates product distinctions, and positions his company as an industry leader, something I am always striving for. My wife said, why do you do three meetings all the time? You always do these meetings. You always meet and you always meet. And I said, because I have something in my head I want to share. And if you don't tell people, then sometimes they might not understand how passionate you are about that. Aside from being a successful entrepreneur, Mr. Brown is the founder of Maceo, M-A-C-E-O, Mentoring Aspiring CEOs, Kids, a nonprofit organization created to pair African-American youth with mentors in an effort to foster an entrepreneurial spirit. The nonprofit provides opportunity for young men and women to learn the importance of economic empowerment, community development, and enrichment. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Maceo A. Brown. Welcome, sir. Good to be here. Good to be here. Did I get it all out, Maceo? Did I get it all out? You know? I, yes, you did. Yes, you did. You said, <laughs> I appreciate it. I did, really do. Thank you so much. Well, first of all, I appreciate you because you are a uh, groundbreaker, trailblazer. You're doing something that 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 isn't that traditional in the thought process of what we do. So I want to go all the way back when you were when you were thinking about this what did what did well, how did this initial idea of getting into the security business were you an employee somewhere how did you learn this craft and how did you go to the next level with that craft well i first came through the ibew international brotherhood of electrical workers local union 613 i was the second set of african-americans to go through that program okay my dad always said you know if you learn a trade son there is no glass ceiling Mm-hmm. And then uh, five years later, the Reagan administration economy tanked. And so I diversified and met a, a gentleman who was in the security business, and he told me about it, and it was a residual income. So I said, okay, this is a recession-proof business. So I said, I need to go ahead and get into that. So I sold all my assets from Maceo Brown Electrical Contractors to switch it over to System Bible Electronics. I went back to the same customers' houses that I wired throughout all of southwest Atlanta, and switched their services over. Back then, uh, <laughs> Rollins had the market, ADT had the market. Yes. And uh, they welcomed me as a black entrepreneur to say, hey, we're so proud to see you in this business. You know, we want to spend our money with our own kind. So you had an audience that did that was welcoming. to, But how did you win them over? Because, you know, there, there are stereotypes that black have about blacks when it comes to entrepreneurship, the same service, or the same, sometimes the expectations are a lot higher. Did you have to deal with that in the early years or even today? Well, you know, I took seven kids out of high school that was not college bound. I started teaching them the same books I learned through the IBEW, dress code, the way you speak, yes, yes sir. sir, yes, ma'am, mm-hmm. you know, and that was so important. When my customers saw my young men approaching them, you know, and the way they came up to them and I taught them, all about how to be polite to these people. You know, they kept calling me back and saying, I'm really proud of what you're doing with these young people. Mm. You know, I have not experienced them because, you know, a lot of us, like you said, stereotype. We don't like our young men coming up to us a certain way. You know, they have to be groomed. You know, we we make sure that you have a neat appearance. And, uh, you know, that kind of win them over at that point in time because, you know, they learned that, you know, when they see me, Maceo Brown, the people that work for me represent me. They are, they look like me. They are part of me. They're going to act like me. Right. So, you know, you know, that really worked out very, very well. You know, strong values is everything. And, and once you teach a kid that in a classroom setting, you know, you, you impact their life going forward. You know, it helps them to become a father figure. 
you know, in their own homes and, and go back and say, you know, I can raise a child because, you know, some of them, they didn't have that father with them at that time. Right. So, you know, I, I really taught a lot of that, and especially I taught uh, economic empowerment, how you save your money, how you don't supposed to spend it on, you know, wasteful things, you know. You want to make sure you invest your money so you can grow. So a lot of these things that they don't teach in the high school system today, which should be taught, you know, we can help elevate our kids much faster. Let me ask you, I'm talking, I'm speaking to Maceo A. Brown. He's the president and CEO of System 5 Electronics, the largest African-American-owned and operated security alarm and monitoring company in the state of Georgia. Maceo, you can talk. You're articulate. When did you realize you could communicate and people responded to the way you communicated? Well, I was always honest. I'm church going. My mother uh, went to church on Saturday. She's a Seventh Day Adventist. My father was a Baptist. Went to, went to church on Sunday, and then we had Bible study on uh, Wednesday. Right. So, uh, you know, that kind of helped me along. And, and meeting people, I always network with people, shake a lot of hands, and, <laughs> and make sure I'm in front of a lot of people. And then, you know, I had three other brothers that was role models in front of me. My oldest brother was Milton. He worked for the uh, IBEW. I mean, the uh, IBM. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to Georgia Tech, and then my other brother, Thomas Brown, he ended up being the sheriff of the Cap County, and now he's nominated for U.S. Marshal. And then my other brother, Wendell Brown, you know, both of us went through the IBEW. So, you know, the trade what really helped us along the way in making that really happen because, you know, a lot of these kids, they don't know about the trade job, electrical, plumbing, carpentry, heating and air. You know, these are jobs that you can make endless amount of money, you know, learning the trade and developing yourself in the right direction going forward. We always tell them, like my daughter, she recently graduated from college, and I was fortunate to graduate from college, have a degree in mathematics and a minor in sociology. And I always tell people, they can't repo your degree. You know, once you, once you learn that, like the same thing that you were saying with a trade. Once you learn that That's trade, right. you know, you, you, you know you, you, you're recession-proof, as long as you're willing to put the work in. Now, of course... All trades aren't glamour, glamorous. Like all degrees aren't glamorous. Everybody wants to wants to glamour. They wants to wants to shine. They want it to be sparkled. They want to pick up gold when they start immediately mining for gold. But that isn't the opportunities that are available out there. And then the younger generation, whether it's Gen Z or the millennials, gets such a bad rap about their dreams. You're out there in the workplace, the hiring place. You know, got one of the largest companies in this in the state of Georgia. Tell us your perception. And I'm saying this is something that's locked down or the truth, but we all have perceptions. Like I have perceptions when people are starting to say things about well, this is what millennials want. They want to they want to take the shortcut, the Gen Zs, Gen Zs. They don't want to they don't want to work hard. What is your perspective of the of the of the uh, viable work environment out there, sir? Well, you know, you, you got to find a, a unique child. You know, somebody who's driven. You know, when you do your interview process. You always ask them what's your five-year plan. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they can't give you a good answer to the five-year plan, then nine times out of ten, you you, you got the wrong candidate. At the table. <laughs> you know, you want to make sure somebody wants to inspire to be something. Right. And if they want to inspire to be something, then you can bring them into your business and say, hey, you can grow with this company. I can put you a part of uh, either whether you're in the accounting department, whether you're in the marketing department, 
or whether you're one of my lead techs out in the field or whether you're working in the service department where you're only doing service work, and then let them see what the future lies for them. You know, say in one year you're going to be making this amount of money, in three years you'll make this amount of money, and you create incentives for them. You know, I tell my employees, you know, once they get over five years, they'll own a certain percentage of my company. When they when they get 10 years, they'll own another percentage of my company. So I learned that, you know, giving back because, you know, this is God's house. I don't own this company completely. You know, God helped me build this company. It's not mine. I can't take it with me. But if I give back a portion of it to my employees, I'm going to create a long longevity uh, here for the people that's going to be here, and I'm creating generational wealth at the same time. So I know my legacy is going to continue to go forward. So those are the things I try to inspire kids and just just let them know what the future. But, you know, if they want to open up their business at some point in time, then I'm going to always wish them well. I mean, it's not an easy task to do. It takes a lot to get to, to get a company off the ground, but you got to be motivated. I mean, you got to eat, sleep, and drink your company. You got to know every day you wake up, you're creating a new idea. You're having meetings, you know, at least every week or every two weeks with your, your team so you can create uh, new ideas and things that we're working on that may not be uh, a, a good direction for us that we want to change. You know, and job cost is so important. So, you know, you really want to make sure you stir on job costs. How much money we make when we do this type of job? How much money we make in here? And, you know, policies are everything. You know, we use tracking devices in all our vehicles. We already know what time you're going to get there, what time you're going to leave. So we can always tell the customer, you know, my driver showed up at 830. He left at 9 o'clock. Right. You know, they door tagged the door. So we let the customers know that we're going to make all the efforts possible to be able to give you quality service. We're going to be the first one there. We're going to be on time. We're not going to be running late. If we're five minutes late, we're going to pick up the phone and make that call, let the customer know we're running five minutes late. People want to see that out of an African-American company. They don't just want to see you just show up and then give an excuse. You want to make sure you plan ahead. So you let the end user know that, hey, we appreciate your business. We appreciate everything you're doing. Because at the end of the day, I tell my employees, you don't really work for me. You work for the customer. Love and it. once you buy into that, that you work for the customer, the customer is going to always give you the business. You know, it costs us $50 to acquire a new customer because we have a give back program, $50 to refer us to someone. When you're referred by a customer, it's easy for your sales team to go out there and close that deal because they're referred by someone who's very satisfied with what you have done. Whereas opposed to someone Googles your company and then you go out there, you got to really make an impression in order to win that business over. So we work with a lot of black churches. I go out and do guest speaking and talk about some hey, of the Maceo, things. That let I've me hold that thought though, because you're on a roll. You are dropping okay. jewels, my friend. Keep that energy up. We're going to come back after this break, and we're going to continue because you're saying what I say every day on this show, but you're saying it from a standpoint of way more power. You employ people. You're a brand. You're an institution in this state. Uh, what you're saying is inspiring stuff, but it's also consistent stuff about putting that client first. You, know, you hear that a lot. You always say, you know, the, the, the customer's always right. You hear that. But you really, that's part of your mantra, correct? Right. You got to sell yourself first and then you sell the company, then you sell the product. Because if I don't like you from the beginning, I'm not going to buy your product. So you have to let the customer know I'm an honest person. I'm going to be fair with you. I'm going to show you uh, my price book. I'm going to show you how I compare with other companies to show you that I'm saving you money. And these are some of the things I teach my sales team when they go out. Because a lot of companies can tell you different things and say, hey, we can put a system in free and then they charge you $50, $60 a month. 
Well, a lot of us don't do the math. So if you get a system from us and you're paying 26 or $24 per month and you subtract it from that 50 or 60 mm-hmm. times that your contract, you just bought my system three times. Wow. So when you show that to the end user, they realize, wow, I'm saving money by investing up front to buy the system, own the system. Then I got to earn your business from that point on. Wow. So I make sure I'm very service-driven. You know, we have to be service-driven. We want to make sure we turn the service call around in less than two days. If you're having a problem, if we can't get it that day, we're going to try to get it the next day. And that's so important to me. You know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate I have I own a building. And uh, when I get a service call, you know, they, they send you, you know, they, they text you photos now because of security issues of COVID. There's so many rules. So you had to change your game a little bit with COVID hit because your service had to be, because you are an installation company, correct? You're a monitoring company, but you do installation. So you go in people's home, you go into business. How did that impact you as a business? Well, I've gone through three recessions, uh, and, and we've got out both, all three were not a problem. I mean, this last one with COVID, we did very well with our numbers because most people were at home, and back because they were working from home, they wanted to get their system serviced. Right. They wanted to make sure all their devices was working. So when my technicians show up, you know, they got to have the booties on. They got to make sure they don't walk in there with shoes on. They got something to cover up their shoes. They got to make sure they're wearing a mask properly. And they're always cleaning up. They're not, the customer can't say, I'll worry about that. I'll pick that up. No, ma'am, give me your vacuum. I'm going to pick that up. So we make sure that we strive off of that because, you know, good news never go around. Bad news always travel. <laughs> it, it, it has Carl Lewis speed on it. Bad news has Carl Lewis speed. I know that for a fact. We have a call That's in right, right quick. Uh, Macy, I want to take him right quick. Maybell from Athens, Georgia. How you doing? This is Rashawn McDonald. I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Maybell, what, what, what's your question? Um, so my question to Mr. Brown is, as a mother of a 14, 16, and 18-year-old African-American males, how do I encourage them to do better and be gentlemen without belittling them? Uh, what you should do is you should sit down with them. With my nonprofit, I had my kids. I took them out to Mirror Lakes, uh, and a lot of them have never seen some of these larger homes before. A lot of us is a lack of exposure. We don't get within a 10-mile radius of where we live. So when you show them a larger home at a younger age, they say, wow, I would like to live like that. Mm-hmm. And then you take them back and say, let's do a budget at home. How much is my light bill? How much is the gas bill? How much is the water bill? How much do we have to pay for insurance? You lay out all of those areas that you have to pay bills inside the house, your car, your car insurance, and then you add them all up for a month. And then you say, okay, if I go to work for McDonald's and I'm making $10 an hour, can I live in a home like this? No, you can't. Okay, if if I get A's or B's in school, then I'm going to make far more money and I can live in a home like that. So I think a lot of it is we don't paint the picture from a finance situation to where a kid has something that's going to drive him to want to be there. All kids have a passion to be something. Once you tap into that passion, you want to help them with that passion as much as possible. But you got to let them know that the smarter kids are going to live a better life. If you make average C's and D's, you're not going to live a good life. Mm. If you make B's and A's or A's plus, you're going to live a great life because you're getting your work that needs to be done. Because once you come out, 
then nine times out of ten, especially if you're making straight A's, you don't have to pay for that college education. You already got it paid for. So you need to just paint that picture with them early and say, listen, these are the bills that mama has to pay. So then they know how to cut the water faucet off at a certain time or cut the light switch off. I taught my kids how to read an electrical meter, how to read a water meter. So when they turn that water meter on, they see that dial spinning. That's how much money you're just wasting coming through that line. You turn that light switch on and you see that thing spinning, then you already know you're wasting that amount of money inside the house. So parents would call me back and say, Miss Brown, I don't know what you told my son, but every time he walks out of his room, he turns off the lights there. He never cuts the water until he's ready to brush his teeth. You know, mentally, you got to feed that into their mind. My father was a military guy. So the moment you wake up out of the bed, first thing you got to do, you got to wake up, make up the bed. Once you make up the bed, you got to go in there and brush your teeth. You know, it was just a program. So you you having, like I tell people, young people, it's like you're the programmer. You have to program that child to do certain habits, good habits, that's going to propel them to the top. Wow. And let them know that you're not a follower, you're a leader. There you go. I want you to be a leader, not a follower. So don't walk around with your pants hanging down because impression is everything. You don't want to be like someone. You want to be the person they want to admire. Awesome. That's who I want to look like, that person right there. Maybell, was that able, was he able to answer your question? Oh, yes, sir. That that was wonderful. Thank you so much. And I will take heed to everything you're saying. Thank you so much, Ed Rashad. I love your show. I listen weekly. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate the compliment. and But more importantly, it's my guests that come on the show. And I want to share an example about... We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. I remember in high school, Maceo, Mr. Brown, um, I had two friends, Regina Rodney, who eventually graduated from Rice University, and then it was uh, Michelle Roberts, who eventually graduated from the University of Purdue, Purdue University. And we used to get in my little beat-up 71 Pintos, chocolate brown, and we used to drive to neighborhoods that we didn't live in and just look at houses and look at yards and just see things mm-hmm. that would like, and we would go, wow. I go, and I would, and, and, and I would see cars that weren't in my neighborhood. Because I grew up in a black neighborhood. And I tell people this today, you know, when you grow up in a black neighborhood, you get on a bus with black people. When the bus would take you downtown and drop you off where black people are at, and you get back on that bus and it'd take you back to black people. And so you have to take people to see more than black people because you can get trapped into believing that's all you can be. That's all you can see. And when I went to the, and I would tell you, I would, I would uh, every car that I saw as a kid, whether it was a sports car, whether it was a Porsche, a Mercedes Benz, or whatever, I have been fortunate to to buy those type of cars. The homes that I live in, whether it was a big yard or hedges or you know gutters were black and white brick, that came from those driving through the neighborhoods and looking at houses and. And so when I went to buy my houses or when I went to do my lawn, it was already in my head. My wife would ask me, she said, how do you just, how do you just see this stuff? Because it's burned in my brain. I've seen this as a kid when I was 16, 17, 18 of saying, that's what I want. That's what I want. And when you keep saying, that's what you want, you position yourself to get it. And when you get it, then guess what? It changes everybody around you. And that's all you're saying, correct, Mr. Brown? 
That's right. That's right. Because when I was in the seventh grade, I used to carry a briefcase to, to school. People used to get on me about that briefcase. Right. I said, I'm going to be a business owner one day, you know. Right. So I carried a briefcase. I put my books in a briefcase. You know, I kind of mentioned after my godfather, Maceo Newberry, he had a store in Vine City. You know, he taught me how to stock the room and how to position the cans and all that stuff and just stay organized and neat. So with this younger generation, you got to find that hot spot, that, that, that passion of what they want to be. But like you say, exposure is everything. And then teaching them what does it really cost to live. So when they see a job, they know, okay, I want to live nice like this. So I got to get good grades in school if I want to live like this. But like you said, you know, going around and seeing other properties and, and going in other communities and seeing these things, then you can inspire to be something. You know, when I came up, it was live to be the American dream. Everybody wanted to live the American dream. You don't hear that anymore. Mm-hmm. Kids don't say, I want to live the American dream. They don't. <laughs> you just don't hear it anymore. Well, you know, I think that what happens is because of the fact that, you know, everything's so immediate, you know, you know, the apps you have cell phones, you can actually see people across the world. You know, you can be on a plane and see somebody on the ground and talk to them visually and, uh, and uh, through audio. And then you can watch your favorite movie while you're, while you're not even at the house anymore. And so you're so connected that your dreams can sometimes be muddied because they, they can be on top of you. That's when you hear so much about, you know, mental health. How did you get come up with the name of your company, System 5 Electronics? Why that name? Uh, my wife helped me with that. She did the logo. Uh, back then, the five services was, you know, we did phone, we did intercoms, we did central vac, we did security, and then we did cameras. And so now, if you ask me that same question, it's probably about <laughs> 10 to 20 different things. It's System right. 20, huh? System 20 electronics. Right. <laughs> right. It's so much else we do because our newer panels now have facial recognition. Right. So we've gone from a button to a, a two-way voice system that's a liquid crystal keypad to now we, we can walk up to the keypad and sees your face and it can disarm the alarm system. So technology just changes every two to three years. We see something that's being invented and brought out. And so it's amazing, the technology. And people love gadgets, like you said. You know, with my business, you want to get them hooked on the smartphone because everybody carries a smartphone right. around. Every time you look around, you see somebody with a smartphone. So if, if your system don't connect them with that smartphone, then you're going to lose that consumer. So we make sure that everybody, is, when they sign up with us, that they have an app on the phone. They can arm and disarm their system. They can receive full notifications, whether it's low batteries, AC power failures, or just letting them know when someone comes in and out of the house. You know, these are critical things that people want to know all the time. Uh, so it's really, really important, especially our wellness program now. You know, it does a behavior study right. in the 30 days. So if you have someone with Alzheimer's or something like that, you can put our system in and say, hey, I want the wellness. We turn on the little button and then we introduce the wellness and it tracks what time you get out of the bed, what time you get in the bed, what time you open up your medicine cabinet. And if you leave out the door at two o'clock in the morning, it knows that that's not your behavior. It's going to text your loved ones and say, hey, you might want to check on mom and dad because they're doing something that's not normal. Wow. You know, it's really interesting just hearing your uh, your energy, hearing your approach to this. When I look at technology, you know, and you are absolutely correct, that app 
Because I, I can open my, at my business, I can open up my gate. I can close my gate. I can keep it open. I just love that feature. I can look at all the 10 cameras in my building. I love that feature, too. And then right, I can exactly. I can turn my alarm off, turn it off. My employees arrive early. I can turn off the alarm. They leave, stay late. I can keep it on. But that's, that's right. those those gadgets, man, you know, look at me. I'm happy. I'm happy. So you you are absolutely right. Gadgets are drive of Americans. Okay. That's right. That's right. You control your garage door opener and all kind of other things. You know. Uh, but but get back to the young lady's question. I started thinking of some stuff. Yes, you sir. know, because I'm 66 years old, and uh, when I came up, you know, I, I my mother, I followed my mother around. You know, I was able to see, you know, colored men, colored women. Mm-hmm. And I used to ask my mother, why can't we go upstairs? Well, that's white only, you know. And then that kind of gave me impression, why, why, why? You know, then I really wanted to do better because I wanted to show them I can be just as good as any other person. Right. So when someone says don't teach critical race theory in schools, you know, if they don't want to do it, you should teach it at home. You should let them see what the past looked like. So they'll know what the future is in front of them. There's so many people went ahead of them to open up these doors. The opportunity is there for you now. You have all the opportunities in front of you. You need to take advantage of what Dr. King, Malcolm X, all these people who struggled to make sure you have a better opportunity. You need to see that. So a lot of these movies, they need to take them back and let them see these movies and take that phone away from them. Don't let them be hooked on the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, because if they don't have a good conversation or they can't communicate very well, they're going to have problems in life. Absolutely. So you have Absolutely. to have a good communication skill. So you got to take that phone out of the kid's hand when they're coming up as a younger person to make sure they don't lose out on the communication skills. We know I want I wanted to follow up and call about self-education, educating your kid and self-education. Like my degree is in mathematics and my minor is in sociology. If I had to do it all over again, I probably would. I, my degree would be in sociology. Probably go get a PhD, because of the fact that what I learned from a from a from a black history, black cultural. I, I learned so much when I realized that how much information isn't taught in public school. You know, basically they talk about slavery. They talk about. Talk, they always mention the cotton gin. They mention a couple of things. They don't mention that blacks participated in World War One, World War Two. Then it goes up to the Brown versus the Board of Education. Then it talks a little bit about Dr. Martin Luther King, and then then he gets then John F. John, JFK gets assassinated. Then he gets assassinated. Robert Kennedy gets assassinated, and basically kind of like stops. And That's right. That education, what you're talking about, is important because of the fact that. You cannot let people dictate your knowledge. And that's what I learned in sociology. I, I will tell you, Mr. Brown, I was so moved by, about my ignorance of what I had contributed as a race of people. And not being denied that information is scary. And that's all you're saying. Knowledge can change a child and an adult's approach to life if you take it in and accept it and also seek it out. And that's what you're saying right now, correct? That's right, because knowledge is power. Someone's going to always say that knowledge is power. The Bible says too much is given, much is required. So that means you got to do something to have something. The spirit is inside of all of us, and all we have to do is enact it, and then God opens up the windows and make it happen. So if you, you know, as a man think it, so is he. So if you're thinking of something all the time, the spirit is going to bring people around you to make that happen. You just got to be open-minded to see it happening. 
You know, you got to be open-minded and know that you, you're blessed and, you're, and, and you, you're a child of God on this earth. So when I started my business and people said, you were crazy for quitting your job. You're making $60,000 a year. And back in those days, that was a lot of money. I said, no, I'm going to start my own business because I've had enough of white America. I am not going to continue to get these big bonus checks at Christmas time. I know how much money he's got to be making. So I'm going to start my own business. And I start out of my house. Just like most people do, you got to start at the basic. You know, I turned my living room into a conference room, my dining room into a meeting room. I turned one of my bedrooms into an office. I turned my garage into a comp- into a warehouse, and I, I turned the back porch into a training facility for my kids. And I and I took off from there. And within three years later, I started meeting people like Mr. N. H. Brunner, who mm-hmm. became a mentor to me, Mr. H. J. Russell. Back in those, you know, those people really wanted to help as many African Americans as possible. Right. You know, there are people out there that want to do that. But if you if you bring the clock back to right now and you say, okay, what's going on at the trade jobs? Because a lot of us they won't teach it in school, and that that's a, that's a big failure for all our politicians right now. Because if, if you go to the IBW where I came out, you're not going to see that many black electricians. You're going to see Hispanics. They're not teaching the blacks the electrical, the plumbing, and the carpentry, because they don't have to do that anymore. They was mandated to teach us that when we came up. So a lot of us, when we learn a trade, you learn how to do job costs. You learn how to do takeoffs. So you you were taught how to run a business in a certain way. You were taught these things. So when you say, okay, I'm going to start my business, you already know because you already taught how to read blueprints, you know, things that you really needed to know in life to be able to propel in this world. So, you know, it's unfortunate now that when you look at Georgia Power, some of these companies out there, if you pay attention to the people who are working on these trucks, they're not that many African-Americans anymore. Right. Where in that generation, for three generations, there was a lot of African-Americans doing these trade jobs. So you always say 20% of our kids are going to college. 80% of our kids are not going to college. We are not focusing on the 80% of the kids that just don't want to go to college. I was not college material. So me learning a trade, that was the perfect thing for me because I was good with my hands. Because when I came up, we worked on our own cars. We changed our own transmissions. We, we, we put in our own, we changed our own tires. You ask a kid that day to change a tire, <laughs> he's going to look at you pretty funny right about there, you know? <laughs> Called AAA. Hey, go look at the app. They go look for that phone now, that app. You know, there you go. You know, go the, you, know, you know, the beauty of talking to you, Mr. Brown, is that, um, you know, and I consider myself a knowledgeable person, a person that has a, a lot of excellent life experiences. But wow, you are a wow guy. You are a pie piper of information. And and, and it's really, and I say that with, with, with genuine uh, happiness because of the fact that, you know, I'm 64. And you're 66. And, you know, people always say, people get stunned when I tell them that age. Because, you know, I'm going to be, I would tell people, don't use age as an excuse. You know, live your life. All right. 2015, I was I was diagnosed with cancer. And fortunately, I'm living my life. I'm living life not because I was diagnosed with cancer, because I'm living my life because life is allowed, is, God has given me the opportunity to live. And when I look at you, I want to let you know, please know, I don't want this to be our last conversation. You, uh, you know, once a quarter, if I can get you on the show, just do some motivation. Please come on Money Making Conversation when I call you, Mr. Brown. Please don't shut me out, okay? Uh, I-
That, that's not a problem. I, I've gone through what you've gone through. I've gone through cancer three times. I know it's in the food that we eat. Our neighborhoods are a food desert. We've got to eat a raw vegan-type diet. Yes, sir. Vegetables. Yes. You know what our grandparents grew up on that never even knew what a doctor looked like. Absolutely. So, you know, I've fought those battles, and I know exactly what it takes to now continue to keep my body here because— uh, you know, uh, uh, so I'm going to bring you I'm on the show so we can tell that story. I got to run, sir. You've been amazing. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Maceo A. Brown. Thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. Thank you. You've been listening to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Always remember to lead with your gifts. Money Making Conversations Masterclass is a presentation of 3815 Media Incorporated. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversation Masterclass with your daily minute of inspiration. Recently, I sat down with comedian and actress from HBO's Insecure and Hulu's Vacation Friends, Yvonne Orji. She speaks on the appreciation she has for her upbringing because it prepared her to navigate male-dominated industries. I think the fact that God made me Nigerian, which is you you got to have like a thick, a thick skin boy you got the Nigerians are rough we even say good morning bro. good morning like why are you yelling why are you why are you so upset it's right, 8 right. o'clock in the morning right. so we we kind of have that tough demeanor and then you know I grew up with three older brothers that forgot that I was a girl like right. they, they said they that they said that the special Absolutely. So I think that was all preparation. You can listen to this full interview with Yvonne Orgy. It's available on moneymakingconversations.com.